0: Peace and ease, good people. Welcome to the final episode of season one of the Creation for Liberation podcast, this time on Decolonizing Creativity is Being in Right Relationship. Giving thanks, first and foremost, to the Art Together mini-grant, which supported us in completing this episode and closing out our final season. Thank you. Ding. Given that we've used the language of decolonizing creativity throughout the podcast so far, I'm exploring with two friends in this episode, Hitoko Okada and Inez Inot, what decolonizing creativity means to us at this point in time. I hope this episode sets the tone for future conversations, and I hope that it further inspires The reclamation and right relationship that we have to our land, our ancestors, and our creative bodies. Peace and abundance, y'all. Welcome to the Creation for Liberation podcast, where we express wisdom to decolonize creativity, mindfully care for ourselves and our communities, and incite an inner revolution for outer transformation. I'm your host, Chetna Mehta. And as a third culture kid, artist and wellness facilitator, I work with brown and black women and women of the diaspora to reclaim our creative inheritance and to actualize and embody our most aware, aligned and connected selves. My guests and I will ignite you and invite you to make move and manifest your liberation for a world of compassion and connection, one creation at a time. So here we are for the Creation for Liberation podcast. I'm so excited to be here with two new and dear friends who I got to know through the Arts for Social Change Jam with Yes World, um, Hitoko and Inez. And I'm gonna give each of them an opportunity to introduce themselves so that you can hear a little bit about them. Hitoko, would you like to go first?
1: Okay. Jenna, thank you so much for inviting me to to do this with Inez, and I also feel like it's a continuation, perhaps from our car conversations and also conversations Inez and I have had also at the jam as well. So I'm grateful for the, that continuity thread. A bit, a bit about myself. So I'm i I'm, I'm a fiber artist and a curator, facilitator, and organizer, community arts organizer in uh, in Canada. I've worked in Vancouver, which is uh, where I'm from, and I'm currently living and working in, in Hamilton, Ontario, which is near Toronto. I used to work in fashion, and uh, as a designer, I had my own collections, and I've been exhibiting fiber work for over 20 years publicly. I've moved away from producing my own collections and and more interested in looking at the, at the craft materials, the weaving, uh, thread-making, dyeing, and the, the politics, the history and the cultural significance and, and the ancestral knowledge that's embedded in those practices that come from my own heritage and, and how that links into my family lineage as craft maker, textile craft makers, they were kimono makers my grandparents, my grandparents' family. That's kind of the little bit about me. So I'll I'll pass it on to Inez.
2: Thanks, Itoko. And thank you, Chetna, for holding this space. I agree. It feels like a continuation of these portals or containers that we hold together. And it feels really good. So I'm Inez Inokt, uh, Mama Moralista. I'm a muralist educator a mother. I teach high school mural activism and decolonizing art history. I teach mural workshops as a teaching artist. So a lot of, I mean, I'm not an organizer activist on purpose, but the nature of my work is just that. So it's an interesting dance between those worlds, holding those spaces, um, and the intergenerational component as well. Like, how can I be authentically Mapuche native? How can I be authentically Jewish? What does that even look like? The weaving of those worlds. How can I be a good ancestor? How can I prepare the way seven generations ahead? How can I be a link in that chain? Or, I don't know, a notch in the tapestry or a brushstroke on the mural. I'm always kind of holding and dancing with, all of those spaces together and introspecting my my place in all of it so that's kind of what i do sort of <laughs> and um just really happy to be here
0: what does decolonization or decolonizing mean to you in your life, in your roles, which is a huge question because also this this term is controversial um, and people have, whether it be natives of Turtle Island or, you know, natives of other um, places and spaces in the world, there are a lot of thoughts um, on what this means. So really this episode is just to explore what it means to us in our roles and purposes in the world, knowing that Part of it may be true for others and part of it may not be true for others. And that's okay. We all can, can, I believe, have our own relationship to what it means to decolonize our bodies and ourselves and spirits uh, as respective to colonization overall. So what does decolonizing mean to you at this point in time?
2: <laughs> I was like, ooh, um, I, um, I love this question. And it's also a, oh, it's like a living breathing question throughout my life and looks different at different points in my life like facets of a diamond and where am I looking and how am I looking so that that introspection that uh, Socratic method if you will I don't know just that constant questioning is innately indigenous to me is like wanting to connect deeper with the core and the root of the thing I find that I am a stronger artist in my motherhood. When I am authentically and unconditionally just pouring into myself as a mother, as a parent, it makes me a stronger ancestor. It makes me a stronger artist. It makes me a stronger, what's the word? Like a receiver to whatever that may be. And decolonizing is a lifelong thing because it's generations long that colonization happened and is happening and it and it would be ignorant of me not to take responsibility for my own, whether conscious or unconscious programming and how I look at things, how I think about things, why I feel the way I feel. So I think questions, great, the questioning, just questioning is a wonderful tool in decolonizing for me, I find. Asking questions. Um, just, just being uh, fearless in my vulnerability mm-hmm. and showing up. I'm, it's very easy to tap into that as an artist, I find. Like it's a very intuitive, natural thing. So finding a way for that to transmute and apply throughout my life in all facets of my life, feels good to me. And um, there's never like a a one answer at any time. (laughs) I'm still navigating different aspects. Like right now I'm holding a lot of grief for different reasons in my life and saying goodbye to the person I was, or maybe I just don't feel that way anymore, or maybe the art must shift and transform because the nature of where I'm at right now I can't hold space for a million mural projects. I have to condense it down to one small version of that. Or maybe I have to just do printmaking right now because I don't have a workspace, whatever the reason, but not stopping because of perceived limitations or perceived, yeah, boundaries that my mind or my belief system has constructed and, and I've interpreted as the truth. No, I can, I can recreate at any time. I can hold space in any place. I just have to be fluid like an artist is, how I interpret artistry to be. And I think, yes, at the end of the day, the nurturing, the motherhood, the parenting, energy or medicine is really important to my life right now and my livelihood.
1: I really love what you shared. Inez, and is something that I'm 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 receiving from what you shared is um, like the wholeness of your practice, and I also see that as very much as a, a as a deco- decolonized approach to art making, art production, if one wants to call it, frame it that way, or um, and, and you know it's it's not just um, what I what I produce or what I make—that's the whole of me, right? And when, but also, I think about—I often think about art as like art and work, art and art as work, where art is art producing and art making is work, and and thinking about like the whole worker as opposed to just what the the perceived value of the worker, right? And it's, it's the whole human, the whole of you, the mother. Of you, the 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 spirit of you, um, and how all of that is intertwined in in your art art practice and in, in what you do in this world and how you are in this world. Um, I very much hear all of that and what you're saying. So, thank you for showering beautifulness. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really, I don't frame my work as a decolonial work, although, it, you know, it, it very much is. Like, uh, like, I ground my work in the history of globalized textiles, which is was the impetus for uh, uh, colonialism. You know, oftentimes the, the story is told that it was in spices, but where the money was, was in cotton and in textiles. That's where the money was. And in my work, I've been studying like the history of textiles and and, and the big the emergence of globalized capitalism and uh, the history of cotton and indigo, and how uh, the British usurped the uh, textile trade that was flourishing all over Asia, West Asia, uh, Africa, and the most skillful and like refined, cotton cloth was produced in India and in China and they had the most developed technologies for cotton cloth making and uh, the chintz and the just like really sumptuous fabrics that the rest of the world had never seen nor it was magical I don't want to get too much into the history of it all but um it led to the transatlantic slave trade and um and and although that history has changed somewhat the patterns of that and the the the, the beginnings of like who controls the shipping the ways that uh, policies are made comes from all of that that history that was that was the the formation of it so those patterns still exist now the trading is no longer across the Atlantic, but now it is across the Pacific. And the labor relations are different, yet uh, similar. I'm not trying to say that they are the same, but I'm just looking at the history of where the source of fast fashion comes from and why that pattern still, you know, it's an echo of of that history today. And also like at the end, like who, who benefits and who doesn't. Who's extracted and who benefits, right? So this the global north, the global south, and how that relationship has uh, is maintained through the fashion industry. In that respect, you know, I feel like my my work is located in in that understanding that his, history critically. I just I what I really feel about my work is that I'm just trying to remember how to be human again. And that that memory is it's in my DNA, and I and I do believe that it is, um, it is uh, passed down through the knowledge of of my ancestors through the practice of, of heritage craft like kamiito making, which is paper thread making, weaving, and in in dyeing, plant uh, plant indigo dyeing and and persimmon dying, and there's so much knowledge. Embedded in those practices. And they seem unrelated, but but they all came to me because they're all connected. They're connected also in that they are all practices of how to be in relationship with the land. You know, the 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 indigo dyers say they were they were telling me that you know you're not you're not getting the color blue when you dye, the cloth, but rather. Like it's a living vat the 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 dye is alive and it is believed that it has a spirit and the spirit will the dyer births the vat and that dies this is this is the language um, and the understanding and that there's a spirit and also because the vat is alive, it requires the dyer to care for it in order for it to live a good and happy life. And so it needs more food it needs more heat it needs less heat sometimes it's just too tired it needs to rest for a couple of days it's moody and temperamental and it has needs and you know the dyer is is a caretaker uh, we're we're stewards and so we must learn the language of the dye to read it to under to to listen listen with our hands see it's the quality of the, of the liquor, the um, understand how it's expressing in its color, and then you know, giving what it needs and learning its language. and it's non it's nonverbal. It's uh, sensory, it's energy, it's observation. it's quieting, um, getting out of here and like just getting into to to this, right? Yeah, I know, you know what I mean. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and the dyers say that the color blue that you receive from the vat is that there is there is no other, like, like dying indigo is the most honest craft because the blue color that you receive when you die is the truth of your relationship with the bat, how true you were as a bright as a caretaker were you shitty (laughs) did you overwork it right are you being extractive right like it it it's it's all of that right did you did you care were you attentive were you loving were you kind were you a good caretaker how did you grow the seeds did you water it when it was thirsty did you pay attention were you good to the soil even before the seeds come you know were you good to the soil it demands of us what it means to be human and to be caretakers and the blue is the reward um is the truth of of that uh, practice that's that's the shit that I'm learning and I'm feeling every fucking day. And I love it.
2: <laughs> As I hear Hitoko speak, I just couldn't help but feel like in my in my bones, like how innately indigenous art practices are of the earth. Yes. In oh former God. conversations and you, you enlighten me before in a previous conversation at the Jam toko around just the plant life and how that's integral in the life of the, the die. And as you're speaking, I can't help but relate it to parenthood and ancestry and on all of our lines and, and relating to every living sentient being on earth, every life with valuing that life and being in relationship with it. And <laughs> colonization has always been about entitlement it's not about it's not the indigenous way it's not about relationship everything about I just see I see that as a universal thing indigenous nations all over the world how integral relationship having a good relationship with everything is to be in balance so it's really blowing my noodle because wow I'm thinking are all art practices all over the world just indigenous and then I've just been rebranded into something else and then interwoven with capitalism to to make a quote-unquote living and survive yeah I want to I want to get to the root of it whatever it is be it through textile Mm -hmm. or through um, printmaking or through mural making or through educating or through my motherhood whatever the practice is find the root where's Mm -hmm. where's the where's the original the truth
0: where's the truth yeah there's so much here i'm really hearing the through line of relationship of coming back to our humanness and it's funny we we have this word human humanity that just describes people but i think what it often forgets is that we're also animals and we are also earth And part of coming back to our humanity is coming back to the fact that we are animals, we are earth dwellers, we are sharing a home here uh, on the planet in the universe with so many other creatures known and unknown. And what is it like to come back to the lineage, the people who made us who we are and the people who are coming from us on the land that we're on. Uh, through the gifts that we have, through the resources that we have access to, whether it be indigo dyeing or mural painting or, you know, facilitating or all the ways in which we can exercise our creativity, parenting, cooking, you know, caretaking. I love just what you were talking about, Hitoko, about being in relationship with our tools and understanding that it's a collaboration. Colonization for me also is very... um Yes, about um, individualism and the individual intellect and like the ego. And to hear you talk about understanding that, you know, the die, for example, has a life and a spirit of its own that we have to be in collaboration with feels very, yes, decolonizing indigenous to me because it's requiring us to think bigger than which, what our notion is of what it should be what our creative outcomes should be or what anything should be. It's realizing that, okay, I'm coming to the table and so are these other forces and we're about to make something together. It's not me asserting my dominance or control, which is so colonization, right? It's being in partnership, in relationship. Um, And I say this all the time where, you know, we have an idea in our heads oftentimes as to what we wanna manifest or create. And it could be so limiting if we're just attached to that intellectual idea, not realizing that at the very least, our hands are gonna be involved in the process and our hands and our bodies have a different skill set to bring to the table. And then when you just blew it up and said, oh, there's also the elements of nature that's involved in the practice, that is so beyond our control to imagine that nature is also at the table, along with our ancestors, along with some greater purpose of a highest good, uh, in addition to you know us being at the table feels like such a collaboration every time we create, even if it's with ourselves. And that collaboration in relation is what feels like such a decolonizing, liberating, and also accountable and responsible thing, right? To be able to collaborate with others is hard because it is letting go of control. It is surrendering Mm -hmm. to something bigger. Uh, And while it does seem what you were talking about, Hitoko, it does seem unrelated, it is interconnected as you said too, right? Um, it's so deeply interconnected. And I think that's part of decolonizing, realizing the interconnection between everything, whether it be a rock or a human or the cloud in the sky, you know, um, it's beautiful to consistently come back to that relation.
1: I've been thinking about, about that as well with this upcoming workshop I'm doing. I'm doing a fresh leaf indigo dye bath, so it's not the fermented kind that's more stable. The fresh leaf is, is less stable. It's a precursor to the indigo. So it's, um, it has more volatility, meaning that it it expires. It it has, it has a short window to be able to bond to the fibers. And so I was like, oh, like, it's not going to work out because blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, actually I'm, I'm not teaching technique here and I'm not, I have no interest in technique at all. Um, and also I just, I, there's something super appropriating about that as well, that I, I just don't feel like there's space for me to be able to like dive into, um, like to have conversations with people, like like art gallery or whatever, like people who want that. I just, anyway, blah, 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 Not not doing technique, but like, can we have an experience can we have a collective experience where the conflict would the conflict would arise, where it's like, oh, this isn't working. It's not the color I want, right? Like all the things that you're saying, like you have an idea, you want to do this thing. This thing, it's not working out how you want it to, right? And the invitation to, what is the plant saying? Like, what does the plant say and what color Is it offering you in this window? This is its capacity. This is its offering.
2: Hmm.
1: How can you receive it? That's the fucking workshop, man.
0: (laughs) Yes, we need those (laughs) workshops. We really, really do. I love that so much. I relate. The Abundant Creativity program that we do is not about like like uh yeah technique or tools or what to buy to draw better or whatever it's about how to honor all the ways in which creative energy is flowing all the time in our lives and to actually notice it and give thanks to it and care care for it rather than expecting our creativity to take care of us to make us money to give us clout or fame or whatever right Inez how does this land with you how do you practice you know, love for the process and relation in in your work with student activism through mural making?
2: (laughs) Great question. Um, It is, everything has a cycle, you know, throughout the year, throughout time and space, throughout where people are at in their life. Maybe they didn't eat that morning because I work with a lot of youth, you know, Mm. so just being super sensitive and for me, to be sensitive and grounded in what we're there to do is not produce something, but to connect with each other. You know, that sounds really strange, like, but you're an art teacher. Don't you want to produce this thing? Because it's a lot of that um, structure and capitalism or any institution like curriculum. And this is the the cycle of the year. And these are your deliverables. And what can, it's like a lot of planning. And I do do that, but then I just, don't really follow it i i kind of have that there on paper but in practice it's about slowing down enough so they can just hear their their own thoughts so always starting with something that's grounding and like watercolor paint that's typically where we begin because Mm it it's kind of amazing the just the you can feel it it's a very palpable shift in energy when when they arrive and it's at the beginning and they don't know me and there's no trust there's nothing mm-hmm. but then the actual practice of watercolor paint just to begin and then just the you can feel the room being grounded mm-hmm. and then they can uh, be more attuned to how they feel where they're at do they need water do they need nourishment did you eat let's talk about it let's not how are you <laughs> starting there and then from there we can make something maybe we can create something but it's not because it's a must I don't I don't want to create out of survival I feel like I'm often pressured as an educator to produce some sort of content or thing to show like here we're we're a successful programmer or, or this is what I do here it is it's a physical thing it's not it's a it's back to relationship it's where the students come and feel safe enough to just exist and then from there we can make anything
0: yes ugh I'm getting chills in my body Cause it's so real just imagining you inez with like these young people being like hey it's cool we don't have to produce anything right now have you eaten are you okay like do you want to talk about it or not like how healing that is and yeah having worked with youth before you know them not eating in the morning can be so many reasons that needs support that needs care uh that goes beyond you know painting a mural but also meeting them where they're at could help them use the tools that are available to process or to connect or to produce in a way that feels rewarding um so i love that you're creating that space and i thought about watercolor when hitoko was talking about the dye and like the spirit of the dye the spirit of watercolor is very humbling (laughs) um and i got to watercolor and play with both of you in that and i walked away feeling a new admiration for watercolor as a process so
1: i appreciate that oh my god if you were my high school teacher oh my god I'd be I'd be so healed. Oh my God, I'd be so healed. (laughs) Um and I've said this to you before, like like deeply, thank you for your work in this world. My God. Inez, thank you.
2: you know what Yotoko, when you were talking about the spirit and the die i was i was thinking about the children or just the youth or all of us yeah you know how how often are they asked how they're doing and and someone really giving a shit to hear the answer Unfortunately, mm. it's not too often so i'm just so grateful for that uh that that visual um of the dye and remembering that it has a spirit it's sentient and it's very much like us and i mean what does the dye want what does the dye want to do what does that plant want to do yeah i'm excited to see right
0: i think it relates to our creative muses inspirations ancestors as well right like maybe our ego wants to be like i want to write a book because it's fancy to write a book (laughs) uh felt that before but meanwhile ancestors or spirit or my creative muses want me to facilitate more community circles (laughs) not a lot of money in that from what i've seen although it's possible absolutely um one is definitely more service oriented and to me in my mind And I could be in that, you know, push and pull for as long as I can be. But what's it like to be like, okay, I'm going to follow what ancestors want me to do and feel really supported in that and see how supported I am in that. Um, I think that that speaks to also the spirits around us giving us these ideas or these downloads and how can we meet them where they're at um, and how they're offering us guidance to actually see and acknowledge it and then use our bodies and our place here on earth to carry it forward, to bring it to fruition in a supported way, in a collaborative way. I think it also relates to how we meet ourselves and like, you know, all the the parts of ourselves that uh, are childish or are throwing a tantrum or uh, are totally resistant and rebellious to everything that you think you should do, right? How do we meet those parts of ourselves as we sit down to create or go to make something or you know, visualize or imagine something, how do we meet ourselves where we're at and not expect us to be, you know, pounded into the ground producing. So I think it relates to how do we meet the land, how are we in relationship with the land, how are we in relationship with spirit and ancestors, how are we in relationship with our children and our young people, how are we in relationship to our tools, um, it, it is it is that.
2: Anything else alive for you now? Actually, yeah, that money is not made of paper, it's actually made of cotton. Yes. Yes, and I think about what Hitoko is saying and then just the core, of, the core truth of the energy of money before, before it transformed into money and all that that represents for people is cotton, is that seed. So the way in which it's harvested historically through through the slave trade and slavery and oppression and, and that there is a, that's in the money too. To, to honor the energy and the healing in whatever, whatever money means to the person. I'll speak for myself. I've been doing a lot of healing around money and the energy of money, but now just making that connection with the dye and the cotton as a plant to do some more mending and work around that mm. so that I can, to, to use a word you use beautifully usually is alchemy. Come, how am I going to transmute or transform this energy into something that can, that can be beautiful, that can create something else and flourish instead of, instead of uh, which I'm working on still, uh, being a survival thing, having that negative, um, to me negative, Um, currency, colonizer currency, if you will, and and how I value money. But how do I indigenize it? How do I decolonize it? It's it's a plant.
0: We touched briefly on Eve Tuck's academic essay article on decolonization is not a metaphor given that it is a resource that is cited from an indigenous perspective i want to value this perspective and also bring into critical holistic perspective and dialogue what it means to me what it might mean to inez or hitoko given that hitoko and inez at the time of recording this episode were not familiar with eve tuck's paper uh, Inez expressed some thoughts that were inspired just by talking about the essay. Uh, and here is what she had to say.
2: I've never read what you brought up, but it sounds like Gil Scott Heron's The Revolution Will Not Be Televised, essentially, mm-hmm. just uh, it's an, a new remastered version of that. But I don't know because I haven't read it. But But what The Revolution Will Not Be Televised meant to me growing up and having a father who was an ex-political prisoner who was exiled to the United States. We have in our indigenous heritage, but all of these intersecting, o- overlapping identities and experiences um, intergenerationally, bringing it back to the revolution will not be televised. It's not about the show, not believing well, one's press. <sighs> the woke if you will, of whatever said event or decolonizing has become such a buzzword in many um, many of these institutions. And I'll speak for like education specifically, how that is now becoming more popular and being an indigenous person who also happens to be an educator. I mean, I'll just say it that I'm holding, I'm kind of the token Indigenous person at my, where I work, at the institution. And so what does that look like? And how how am I allowed to, to hold the space on paper? So just being aware of all of these overlapping things, like decolonizing at its heart, yes. But decolonizing on paper, no. Decolonizing on TikTok and social media, no, 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 no decolonizing to get attention and likes no thank you that's not really the thing we're i'm getting i'm getting too caught up in the in the energy of the money not the energy of its essence the root cotton seed so like where are we going i'm i'm i don't want to get um it's kind of like the projector metaphor like there's so much happening on the film and uh, I must make sure that that's good first before I project really big onto the screen because I have a, a film and editing background too. But just there's so much work that has to be done um, behind the scenes or in in oneself, in my heart, like inner, inner healing work, shadow work first before going out. And then even then being sensitive to, there's some things I can't share there's some things that are just for me or just for my tribe or some things are sacred. You don't talk about that here. It's about context, you know? There's some things you just talk about amongst your family or close friends. Um, Always coming back to permission. So, so many ways to interpret it. Interpret colonization and decolonizing kind of like a fish in a fishbowl doesn't know what the water looks like. You know, it's so ingrained in day to day. So what does, de- what, do, what is that? What, yeah. what am I decolonizing if I can't even see what, what it is that is colonized within me and how I'm actively participating in colonization? And like, that's not a comfortable conversation to have, but it's necessary.
0: To quote family and community activist Maya Birdsong, who says uh, something that relates very much to our conversation here. A vision that brings us closer to one another allows us to be vulnerable and imperfect, to grieve and stumble, to be held accountable and loved deeply. We need models of success and leadership that fundamentally value love, care, and generosity of resources and spirit, what we long for. All of us have ancestral memory of what it's like to live connected and interdependent lives we may be disconnected or too far off from those traditions to claim them but we can listen to our needs our longings and through ritual rite and practice build a way of being in the world that honors and makes tangible connections to one another to nature and to spirit this is a process of decolonization Thank you so much. I feel like we could have a whole episode on like, you know, decolonizing arts education, decolonizing textiles, indigo. There's so, so much here. So maybe maybe there will be another conversation. Well, there'll definitely be more conversations, maybe or maybe not for the podcast. But thank you so much for being a part of it. Please just share um, where you would like people to find out more about your work. Any and all channels that you have available that you are projecting out for others to be involved in. And we'll also include it in the show notes too. I'm on TikTok and Instagram,
2: reluctantly, but I i mean, hey, I, it's a wonderful way to connect with people too. And I host live art events on TikTok every Thursday, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So that is a fun, free event. Welcome to the public. Make some art together. Hold space for an hour. Mama Muralista on Instagram and TikTok. Yep, you got it. I love your TikTok,
0: yeah. Just so, no, just a plug there. Definitely follow Ines on TikTok and Instagram. Okay, Hitoko,
1: I'm at Hitoko Okada uh, on Instagram, and um, those are more like my my projects, um, my artistic practice, and like my sort of more vulnerable narratives are. Um, and connected to what we shared uh, here today is uh, at Hitoko Studio.
0: If you found resonance with this podcast, go ahead and subscribe and write us a review. This helps us significantly to get the podcast out to more listeners like you. Thanks in advance.